you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Somebody clap your hands. Lift your voice. Thank God for his blessings. God, pour it out in this house. God, pour out your spirit. God, pour out your anointing. God, let it rest upon us. Let it, let it overtake us, God. Lord Jesus, flood us with your presence this morning. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Now, one more time, clap your hands to the Lord. And I know I do this all the time, but would you thank the praise team for leading us into the presence of God today? The musicians, the singers, they've sung and they've played under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and I'm thankful for that. You are, shout amen. Thankful for that. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of God. One more time, not to only our guests, but to our members alike, give everybody a great big hand. We're so glad that you joined us in church this morning. It is a great, great day. Beautiful outside, great weather. Winter's behind us. Somebody, mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. Winter's behind us. In Indiana, as a, as a kid, I never really understood that winter never really ended. But the older I get, I'm like, my goodness, this just hangs on and hangs on. But I, we've turned the corner and everything's great. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm glad about what God is doing in your life and in this church. And God's got great things in store for us. Uh, you can see that Pastor and Sister Jordan are not here this morning. They've gotten to get away for a couple days. They are down celebrating uh, Pastor's father's birthday, and we're glad that they got to get away. We miss them today. I, they may be watching online, but why don't you just give your give them a, a show of a appreciation? Let them know we're glad we missed them, but we're glad they got to get away. Amen. They will be traveling back this week, so we ask that God would give them traveling mercies. If you have your Bibles this morning. I'd like to draw your attention to Genesis chapter 44. As always, I'm honored to stand before you today and share what I believe God has laid on my heart. And today, 
I'm going to draw your attention to a very familiar passage of Scripture, a very familiar story to most of us, if not all of us. But I just want to pull out um, what I feel that God just kind of opened my eyes and my mind to this morning. So if you'll preach with me, we'll quickly get to where we're going, uh, have a little bit of ground to cover. So I ask that you stay with me and preach with me. Right, awesome. Sounds great. Genesis 44, verses 1 through 2, and then we'll skip down to verse number 12. The Bible says, And he commanded the steward of his house, this being Joseph, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Now, understand that Joseph has been sold into slavery and he has found himself in prison and now he is a ruler in Egypt, has gotten a great position. God has elevated him to a great position and now there is a famine in the land and the dream that he had told so long ago to his brothers that just flat chafed them that they were mad about is now coming to pass and now his brothers have come to the land of Egypt to buy food the dream has come to pass they have come to their older brother and he is providing for them and so he has filled their sacks with food and the money that they paid unbeknownst to them he has taken that money and put it back into their sacks and verse number 2 and put, he says, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. Verse number 12. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. With the help of the Lord and with your help this morning, for the next few moments, I want to preach to you on this subject, simply the silver cup. The silver cup. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands? And would you ask God to send His anointing and His power into this house? God, we need you today. No doubt your, your anointing is in this place. We feel your presence. You are in this house with us. And God, we've worshipped you and your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. We know that you're here. We feel you. We feel the evidence of your presence. God, and I pray right now, Lord, your word is already anointed, but I pray that your anointing would rest upon your messenger, that your anointing would rest upon the ears of your people to hear what you are saying to us this morning. Open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you are speaking to your people today. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. You may be seated this morning. This story that I've read into your hearing, this story of Joseph is familiar to most of us. Joseph is now no longer a teenager. 
as he was when he was sold into slavery, but now Joseph was a man who at the conclusion of his life made a difference in his generation. Allow me to pause for a moment and say that it is my prayer that when I find myself at the end of life and when I find myself, and some would say that I'm already in old age, and I rebuke you for that. But it is my prayer that when I am at the end of my life and my eyes have grown dim and my body has become weak with age, my prayer is that it will be said of me that I too made a difference in my generation. And I believe today that I am preaching to a group of people who you desire to have your life make a difference and you desire that your life would have purpose and that you would be able to make a difference in your generation. And so it is that Joseph made a difference. He made a difference by simply being different. He refused to dress different, and that's where it all began for him. And if I were to ask you this morning, who in this place wants to make a difference? No doubt the majority of you would stand to your feet and you would clap your hands and you would shout, Amen. However, let me tell you that we will never make a difference if we are fearful about being different. And the first step in making a difference is simply being different. That's why we celebrate the fact that we are different. We celebrate the fact that we live different. We celebrate the fact that we look different. We celebrate this morning the fact that we walk different. We celebrate the fact that we talk different because we are simply making a difference. And it is important this morning that we understand that making a difference in this generation not only affects this generation, but it also brings the favor of our Father on our lives. Notice that the kid that made a difference was the favorite kid. The odd kid the kid that dreamed big and could see things that others were not able to see. He was the one that had the favor of his father on his life. Let me pause and tell you that I too want the favor of my father. So I'm going ahead and saying and declaring that I am different. But I but as I desire and determine for my life to make a difference in my, gener in my generation, and I applaud and celebrate that the favor of my Father uh, is on my life, I am very aware of the hate and of the opposition that will come from those who are around me. You see, if you make a difference, let us not forget 
that number one, we will have the favor of God. And, and, and let me go ahead and say that that is all that really matters. But two, uh, we, if, we, if we are going to make a difference in our generation, we are going to face some opposition. We're going to face some people that don't see things like we see them. We're going to face some opposition from those around us who will be jealous and they will, be, they will find fault with everything that we do. But don't become afraid. And don't waver when the spears and the words and the anger and the vile of men come because the Bible lets us know, for you will be hated for all of all men for my name's sake. You will be spoken of vilely, but rejoice so they do, so as as do the, the prophets of old. When criticism comes, when trials come, when calamity comes, square your shoulders and declare. Claire, it's okay because I am making a difference in my world. I love, I love the fact that Joseph never takes off his coat. I, I, I love the fact that Joseph refuses to be like everybody else. He's going out to bring them food uh, and it's just him and nobody would have ever known if he would have just slipped off the coat for a moment, if he would have just taken off his garment and begin to look like everybody else. Nobody would have been the wiser. Why not just take off your coat, Joseph? Why not just be like everybody else? If you would just take off the coat, they wouldn't hate you. If you would just be like them, they, they, they would not, you would not be hated by them. But Joseph understood that there was a destiny beyond the hate of men. And right now, you might not like me. And right now, you might talk bad against me because your salvation. And right now, you might criticize me. But give it some time because sooner or later, your salvation is going to be linked to me. I know that there will be a day when you bring me, wrap, wrapping your arms around me saying, thank you for not taking off that coat. Thank you for not giving in and for not quitting that day. The day will come, but as the fiery darts of the tongues of men spew vile wickedness and hatred, we must have a resolve that a destiny greater than what we are in right now draws us to where we are going. And I'm thankful that purpose is pulling us beyond persecution of man and it's pulling us into the destiny that God has for our lives. So the dreams cause his brothers to hate him and because of their hate they say it's just better if we split. And so they sell Joseph and now the family is divided. And so does two division comes to the church and to the people of God. And now this man Joseph, as a young teenage boy, as you know, is sold into slavery. He arrives at Potiphar's house. There he escalates and he goes to the highest level of authority as a slave goes it would be the dream job and it, it, it is like becoming president 
of the United States for the slave boy. There, there is no promotion greater than where Joseph found himself at. There is no place that he could have ever gone that would be higher than where he was. He, was tru- he, he would truly say every night that God had done exceeding and abundantly above all that he could have ever asked or even thought. That, they, they, that God had really caused him to prosper in Egypt where he was, yet in this place of perfection where he felt that perhaps he had reached the pinnacle of all things, there comes temptation as it always does. As Potiphar's wife comes and desires him and he resists her desires and her advances, he was more afraid of losing his soul than he was afraid of losing his job. You know the story. He flees what he thought was the perfect situation, and he is thrown into an Egyptian prison cell, there again forgotten by the butler and 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 the baker. Then, of course, we know the two dreams that Pharaoh had after that, and then Joseph is then remembered again two long years later. They pull him out of that prison cell, and he begins to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And not only does Joseph possess the gift of interpretation of dreams, but he also possesses the, the, uh, the blessing or the, the ability to be the the administrator of those dreams. He starts telling them that this is what the dream means and then here is the solution. God has gifted us not only to identify problems but to organize solutions. We are not just the problem identifier of the world but rather we are the hope and solution that our world needs. We identify that there is a problem in our world. We identify that there is turmoil in our world. We identify that there is anger. We identify that there is hate. But not only do I stand here declaring that there is a problem, but I stand before you this morning and I declare that we have the solution. The solution is Jesus. Jesus is the solution for every problem that the world is facing. Get Jesus in the middle and it is problem solved because Jesus is the answer. I know I'm skipping and I'm moving quickly, but I'm trying to get where I want to go today. And this, and by his willingness, To be number two man, Joseph saves the entire world. As second in charge, he stores up in the years of good and plenty so that there would in turn be enough food to get them through the years of famine that were coming. 
And we know the end of the story as he quickly, as we quickly go through it to arrive where we need to get today. That hunger strikes and famine comes. Famine, I want to tell you, does not exclude the family of Joseph, nor does it exclude the people of God. Israel got hungry too, and they went through the famine as well, just like everybody else. So as the famine hits the people of God, Israel tells his sons, he says, boys, you've got to go down to Egypt. They have food there, and I'm going to give you some money, and I need you to go down to Egypt, and you've got to buy food, and you've got to bring it back here, or we're going to die. So his brothers make the journey, the brothers make the journey, and when they arrive before Joseph in Egypt, he identifies them, and he realizes who they are, but they don't understand, and they don't recognize that they are standing face to face with the brother that they turned their backs on, and the brothers that they sold into slavery. And Joseph asked them, he said, how many brothers do you have? And they tell him, we have one more, and his name is Benjamin. And he tells them that they are to go, and when they return, that they had to bring Benjamin back with them. When they ran out of food that he would give them this time, If they did not return with Benjamin, they would be labeled spies and would be cast into prison and no doubt killed. So as the boys return return home to their father and they tell of the strange occurrence that had taken place, Israel refuses and says, you will never take him. He says, I've lost one boy and I will not lose another one. But we, we, we know Judah pleads and he says, no, dad, I, I will stand up for him. I will stand up in, in a surety for him. I will make assurance that he will return to you. Now, Benjamin at this time, most scholars agree that he was just a young teenager. And the Bible says that when Benjamin finally comes into the presence and into the courtroom of Joseph that Joseph could not contain himself. He could not contain the emotion that he did not understand that he was going to feel when he saw his only full brother. As Benjamin, no doubt, walks into that courtroom, I can see it in my mind's eyes, Pastor Brandon, As Joseph straightens up and he looks that boy in the eye and all the flood of emotions, the things that should have been, the time that should have been spent, the memories that should have been made, the the yard uh, thrown together soccer games in the yard that should have taken place, All the times that they should have been in the yard playing catch with one another that never happened as those emotions begin to overcome Joseph. And he begins, the Bible tells us, to weep. And in being overwhelmed by emotion as he views his brother, 
The brother that had not betrayed him. The brother that he had not gotten to grown up, grow up with. The brother that, that, did, that he was not able to teach him how to fish. The brother that he didn't get to play with. He was robbed of his childhood by the others. And tears and overwhelming emotion overcome Joseph as he thought about what he missed out on. And I know that there are those that are here today, including me, that can look back and say, what if? What if things turned out different? What if I never made that decision? What if I just stayed? What if I had not walked away? What, what would I have just, what if I would have just done it that way? I, I feel the Holy Ghost right now because I believe there are people in this place today that you are, are racked with the guilt of what if. What if things would have been different? What if I never got caught up in that? What if I would have never turned my life, opened my life up to that? What if I made better decisions? What if I would have just walked away from that person? What, if, what would have happened if I would have just walked away from that situation? Our lives are full of what if. And as we think on those things, and as we beat ourselves up time, in time again, no doubt we do. I know that you do because I do. And as we beat ourselves up over those decisions, and as we beat ourselves up over those, over those choices that we may, we, we begin to think, we begin to punish ourselves and said, if I'd have just been smarter, if I, if I would have just thought about it a little longer, if I could have just seen them for what they were, then I would have made a completely different choice in my life. I'd have just done that. And so it is that Joseph, quickly getting through this to get where I want to go as he fills the sacks of these boys. And we know the story as they return back to Israel, back to dad's house, of course, Benjamin's sack is just a little more full than everybody else's. But Benjamin's sack the sack that Joseph commands that his servant take this cup. That he take the silver cup and place it into the sack of Benjamin. And now the next day, allowing them to get outside of town a few miles down the road, Joseph sends the law after them. And I can imagine as they're going down and Whatever they're traveling in, as blue and red lights start flashing in the rearview mirror, some of you know what it's like. They pull over the caravan, and I can imagine the boys beginning to say, Oh, oh, oh my goodness, were you, were you speeding? Did you make an illegal lane change? What? What's going on? Or, 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 or why are they detaining us? What, did, did you get your passport stamped, or did you leave illegally? Guards pull them down. And they say there's been a robbery. They pull them down and they pull out the sacks of those boys. 
So there's been something has been taken. There's been a robbery, boys, and you are the only suspects that we can think of. This valuable cup of Joseph, our leader, has been stolen. His silver cup has been taken. And we believe that you've taken it. The boy said, we, we didn't take it. We, we, we didn't do anything illegal. But the guard said, well, whoever did, we're going to lock them up in an Egyptian prison. And they begin to open the bags of those boys from youngest to oldest. As you can imagine, I'm sure the hearts begin to thud. I, I, I can imagine. I can't imagine. I, I get pulled over, and I, I know I hadn't done anything illegal, but I get pulled over. I, I put the car in park, and I start looking under the seats and say, has anybody planted anything in my car? Maybe do I tell them about the gun in the console, or do I not? I get a little nervous, and I can imagine These boys beginning to get nervous, wondering what is happening. The first bag is open and nothing. I told you it wasn't. I told you I didn't have it. The next bag, I I told you it wasn't me. And then finally, there's one bag. We're one bag away from freedom. And there, the alarm bells start ringing. The dogs start barking. The guns are drawn and pointed at Benjamin because in Benjamin's sack. There it is. All of a sudden the guard says, I've got it. I've, I've found it. You're guilty. Take him away. Throw him in the inner prison cell. He's going to pay for what he's done. Can you imagine the cry of Benjamin? Can you imagine the tears that started streaming down his face as he said, No, I didn't do it. I didn't take it. I'm not guilty. It's not my fault. It just happened to be in my possession. Can you imagine as his brother said, What were you thinking, Benjamin? Why would you have ever taken Such a valuable thing for yourself. I know they're saying all this stuff about me, but none of it's true. I didn't do it. Here, here you take the cup. You tell them it was you. Tell them that you took it and you you just put it in the wrong. Come on, guys. I didn't do it. I don't deserve this. Standing there with the cup, the silver cup. Tears stream down his face as he is being blamed for things that he's not guilty of. I can hear him as he hits his knees and he begins to pray, God, all I've ever tried to do what was right. I've always tried to do what was right. All I've ever tried to do was be a man of God. I wasn't even there when they sold him into slavery. I had nothing to do with it. It wasn't, I wasn't part of the family split. Why me? It's like I'm being punished for the sins of my brother's past. 
Let me talk to you. Let me talk to somebody that's opened up the bag of life and you found some cups in your bag. The abuse that didn't involve you, but it left you messed up. The decisions that you made that you wish you could take back. You've been mocked. You've been rejected. You've been forgotten. Life is filled with silver cups. And you prayed many nights saying, all I've ever tried to do was be the best person I could. I've raised them right. I brought them to the house of God. I taught them how to pray. I did my best in ministry. I did all that I could. But now I hold a silver We're supposed to be different. Couldn't do it. I did the best that I thought I could do. I was making what I thought was the right decision. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. All I tried to do was raise them right. I tried to tell them. I tried to instill in them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I I prayed with them every night. I sat down as they were laying in bed. I I was in the other room sitting in my chair, and I was calling out their name in prayer that God would protect them. Supposed to be different. Choice was supposed to be better. Why am I left holding the cup? As I read this story, I now wonder what the response of the brothers would be. How how will they respond to the error of their brother? I know the guards will take him captive. I know a prison cell awaits him. I know that those who stand around me have predetermined that he is guilty. But the ones that I really care about, what is Reuben going to say this time? What's Dan going to say this time? What's Asher? And what's Judah going to say this time? Last time, we split our family up. Last time, we didn't get along. Last time, we disagreed. We were angry with our brother. And we sold him into slavery. And and said, it's better if we're just not together. But this is a different situation all together. Genesis 44 and 26, here's what they did. And we said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us. Then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face except our brother be with us. They went to Joseph and they said, the last time, We did it wrong. We did it the wrong way. The last time 
We split up the last time. We didn't keep the family together, but this time we're going to do, we're going to do, uh, we're not going to do that to our father. We're not, we're not going to cause uh, him to be hurt any, any more than he's already hurt. We're not going to put our father through the pain of another split. We're not going to put our father through the pain of another family breakup. So if you're going to put him in jail, then you're going to put me in jail. If you're going to take one of us, then you're going to take all of us because we're a family with a cup. CLC, I preach to this church today and say that if the enemy takes one of us, the enemy takes all of us. If the enemy uh, puts one of us in prison, then the enemy is going to have to put us all in prison because we are one family with one cup and we are not going to walk away. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what decisions you've made. You are at this place, and you are part of our family. We're not going to turn our backs on you. We're not going to walk away from you, but we are going to stand with you and say, if you've got to hold the cup, then I'm going to hold the cup with you. I'm hurrying. Judah said, you're going to kill anybody. You're going to kill me. If you're going to take anybody's life, it'll be my life. And it's right here where Jesus is revealed in the DNA of Judah because his DNA holds Jesus. I had to read it over again. Who it was that was making the petition. Who was it that said, kill me instead of Benjamin. Who was it that said to Joseph and to the guards, put the chains on me. Take me away. I'll sacrifice myself for his salvation. And when I read it again, it was Judah that stood and said, no, 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 no. Don't take him. Take me. It was Judah that stood in the gap for Benjamin. What are you saying today, Pastor Danny? I'm telling us how to respond when we pull a silver cup out of our bag of life. Here is how you respond. You pull the cup out and then you go find Judah. You don't go sit in the corner and pout because of what happened to you. You don't lock yourself in your room and complain about your situation. You certainly don't get on Facebook and point and post about how bad everything is and how you're being mistreated. You just go find Judah. I need my shout back. I need my praise back. I'm going to shout with a silver cup in my hand. I'm going to touch heaven. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to do it all with a cup in my hand. May not have happened this morning. I may not have served in my family. 
when you are holding the cup that you never asked for, and you've exhausted every option that you've ever had, it's time for you to stir up some praise. <laughs> if you're out of options, it's time to worship God. The weapons, the Bible says, of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody needs to give him praise like the strongholds in your life are coming down. I don't care what it looks like right now. I don't care what you're holding in your hand right now, but you begin to give God praise, and you watch as the strongholds begin to be brought down. Praise Him when things are going wrong. Praise Him when you have nowhere to turn. Praise Him when there's no money in the bank account. Praise Him when there's no food on the table to eat. I'm closing. You see, the cup, Benjamin, is in your bag for a purpose. The cup and the circumstances that you were born into are part of the plan. Oh, oh preacher, you, I, I don't want the cup. Pastor Danny, I, I, I don't want it. It's not fair. It would be fair for one of them to have it, but after all, they're the ones that sold him, but it's not fair. It's not fair for me. But in all of our talk about how it's not fair, as we search and try to find out why, Benjamin, why me? Why was I left? Why did they break my heart? Why did I lose my job? Why did they come against me? I've never done anything to any of them. And all the talk of why, we forget what kind of cup it was. All the, all the talk of why me and why we forget. You see, the, the cup I hold isn't just an ordinary cup. It isn't a McDonald's cup. It's not a Burger King cup. It's, you, don't, you, don't walk, you don't take those home and wash them out and put them in the cupboard and bring them out when company comes over and throw them in the trash because they're just an ordinary. This is a silver cup. It's the most valued possession in your life, Benjamin. I know you wanted a life that was normal, but the cup is going to change all of that for you. See, I, I've got to have people in the right positions, Benjamin, in Egypt. Benjamin, that cup is going to change your destiny. It's going to take you and turn you back to the palace. It's going to bring you to a place where you'll find revelation. It's going to, it's going to find you and take you to your purpose, Benjamin. The purpose that God has divinely ordained for your life.
just tell you today that I have yet to see one person find their purpose in life always living on easy street. In my years of ministry, my years of serving assistant pastor here at Christian Life Church, I've yet to see someone find their purpose in a life that there's never turmoil, that there's never hardship. They've never found the purpose in a life that was always fair. But time and time again, I've watched the broken. I've watched the wounded who come in with addictions. Who come in wounded. Who come in broken and never ask for it. I've seen broken men and broken women come in and throw themselves down on an altar because their lives are falling apart and their kids' lives are a mess. And they scream the words, Why me? Why my kids? Why my life? only to find themselves a few years down the road and they look back at that cup and they say, had I never gone through that, I would never be where I am today. If I had not had to hold that cup, I would not be at the place that I'm at today. Had I never picked up the cup, I would have never went back to Egypt. I'd have never known that my brother was alive. The family was reunited because somebody picked up a cup. Let me tell you today that the unity of the body will come. The backsliders are going to come back, not because we run away from our cup, but because we realize that this cup is the most valuable thing in our lives. Painful, yes. Misunderstood, yes. Trouble trying to find the purpose, yes. But hear me. Don't get bitter with where you're at. But realize that you've just opened up and laid your hands on the one thing that is going to bring the family back together again. When you find your cup, don't give up. When you uh, unravel the pack and you're, and you're praying it's not you, but you come to the realization that it is you, that's when... When it's not your fault, when men have turned their backs on you in that time, don't give up. Well, I'm afraid that they're going to find it. And so we take our silver cup. We try to hide it. We don't want anybody to know. We try to cover it up. We don't, we don't, we don't want anybody to know. We, 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 it's like someone that doesn't want to use their testimony because they don't want to know, they don't want others to know what you've been through. Can I tell you something? 
You know that blind Bartimaeus made it into the Bible simply because he was blind? You know, he is mentioned because of his blindness. The woman with the issue of blood is only mentioned in Scripture because she had an issue. Don't tell me that you don't want others to know what your life is really like. Don't tell me that you don't want everybody to know that your life's been a mess, but you go ahead and proclaim, you go ahead and pull that cup out proudly and say, yes, I've got a cup too, but let me tell you what this cup did for me. asked to be abused. I never asked for addiction. I, I never intended to go that far. I never intended my life to be what it turned out to be. Stand with me right now. The things the things that your kids remember will never be how you succeeded in prosperity. But they will remember what you do when you pull out that cup. Your kids are watching how you're reacting when everything is coming against you. That is what you will be remembered by. That will be your legacy. I hope that's for me. I hope that my boys tell about when dad opened the bag and he asked why me? Why is it happening to me? I hope that they say that I stood up on a Sunday morning and I declared that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter that I have to hold this cup. It's not, doesn't matter that I have to endure the cup. I know you've been bound, but I'll take it. I'll wash it. I'll turn it into something that one day you'll say that's the most valuable part of me. So here, God, is my cup. Lift it up, God. I uncover it, God it up. I realize its value in my life. And I close with this. Psalms 23 says it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thou preparest a table before me. The presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Lord, you bless me with the only thing that you pour blessings into. And that is my cup. My cup can't run over if I keep trying to hide it. My cup can't be a blessing if I keep trying to throw it away. But it has to be celebrated. Affliction came, yes. Hardship came, yes. But God, pour your blessings into my cup. I tried to preach the best that I could to you today. And I believe that there are many in this place where you had a cup in your life and you've done your best to hide it. You've done your best to get rid of it. You've done your best to pass it on to somebody else. And you've cried and you've asked, God, why me? But God has sent this preacher here this morning to tell you, don't, don't. Don't relegate that cup to the back corner of a cabinet somewhere. But pull that cup out. Polish it up because God has given it to you for a purpose today. If you've got a cup in your life and you've, you, you've, you've gone through some things in your life and you've asked why, I, I challenge you today to take that cup out. Bring it down here to the altar this morning and say, spend some time and say, God, I'm not going to try to hide it any longer. But God, I'm going to celebrate in the cup that you have allowed me to hold because I know that your blessing and your purpose comes through my affliction. Your blessing and your purpose come from what men meant for evil. But God, you're going to turn it for my good. God, you're going to give me purpose in my life. God, you're going to take me to new heights. God, you're going to take me to my destiny in you. If it's you that I preach to this morning, I invite you to come down to this altar right now. I, I, I implore you to come down to, come bearing your cup. Bring your cup and let God pour his blessings into what he has given you. Because